and Katie here with another episode of Rosé All Day Anyways. Anyways. Rosé All Day Anyways. Anyways. I don't know if we've ever explicitly said that I am, in fact, the singer in the theme song. That you are the singer and that you recorded it with, is this the episode? No, with my friend. With your air quotes, <laughs> friend. So, friend, if you're listening, thank you for recording it with Erica. <laughs> yes, those are your musical stylings, and soon we're going to try and do a whole a whole song and release a music video to it. Yeah, we're really excited about this endeavor that we're about to go on, which... It's a kind of beautiful mishmash and creativity that can only happen in New York City. But before we start talking about that, I want to talk about what we're drinking today. Mm. Uh Uh-oh. I kind of wish I hadn't thrown my phone over there now because I feel like some of the facts I want are on my phone. But it's fine, guys. I was trying to be technology-free, which is usually a bad decision. Oh, wait. My iPod had the internet on it. There we go. Coming back around. So this uh, wine is... We're drinking the Frangelina's. Miracle. Brangelina's. Yeah. yeah. What's their name? It's Fra- called, who's Frangelina? It was Brangelina. But Miraval from Cote de Provence. Provence. I don't know. I'm not French. <laughs> I'm not French. I can't say it. <laughs> and yet another wine segment failed. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. So this was the wine... That Brad and Angelina created before their untimely demise as a unit. So we're drinking the tears of their marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you are the, we're so, basically sending at least one of their fifteen children to college. Oh, and so they're still tied together. They're making profits off this together. Yeah, split. and again, they have like what they have like unless six or like seven somebody kids. got it from alimony. I don't know. Maybe they got the maybe one of them got it from alimony. I was trying to research like what how that all played out before we got on. It was was too hard to find. I wasn't that interested. Yeah, the only thing I cared about when I heard their divorce was watching the tweets of people making memes of Jennifer Aniston. Mm, And I'm like, yes, yes, I am old enough to enjoy all of this. Because I was all about Team Jen when that went down. Oh, yeah, who's not? I'm sorry. We were all Team Rachel is what we were. no one told her that it was going to be that way. <laughs> no one. Oh, see? <laughs> this has just become a Friends podcast. I will do a Friends podcast. You, you want to do a Friends episode or a Friends podcast? No one told you life was going to be this way. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah. So, it is a dry-ish wine, I guess. <laughs> It's a pink wine with a very pink flavor. It's, you know... It like gets you drunk. A little bit sweet. I'm enjoying it. It's actually very smooth. You know, some of they, they're like too dry, too sweet. This is it's very smooth. I would recommend it. And and it's a nice bottle. It's a beautiful, gorgeous bottle. You can take it to a party and look like you've spent a lot of money. Yes. On the host. But how much did it actually cost? So I actually got this from, as you see, the sample only, not for retail. A friend of mine worked in, like, wine sales. And he and his girlfriend, who are both my friends, they're moving to Florida. They had a going-away party. Mm. And they have, like, he had inventory. And he, like, gave away wine at their going-away party. And... Someone was like, oh, do you want white or red? The bartender's like, you want white or red? And I was like, oh, I guess white. And then I saw that another one of my friends actually had a bottle of rosé. And I was like, hold up. I went back to the bar. And I was like, um, stay on brand. was rosé an option? <laughs> and they were like, the guy's like, oh, I don't even know. I was like, go back and look. <laughs> you made the bartender go to the back and pull out the rosé. He didn't have to go all the way. He just had to reach back further in the fridge. He just didn't Quit being lazy. Give me the rosé. Give me the rosé. Have your white wine back. <laughs> That's not what I came here for. <laughs> That's our hashtag. This is not what we came here for. <laughs> we came for the rosé. <laughs> well, I just looked it up. It's twenty one ninety nine. Don't. That's like very reasonable. It's very reasonable. A little pricey like, for this podcast. A little podcast. bit pricier than like, <laughs> I'm like at about a $15 level. Look girl, the one that I told everybody last time that I drink every day has the rooster on it. That costs eight ninety nine, and it is 
fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's it fine is, wine. It's fine wine, but this is, you know, $20. So it's the wine to say, I care, but not that much. <laughs> so speaking of wine and fine and good time. dying. Oh, God. Guys, Katie is choking from laughter. I choked on my rosé. Which... Wouldn't that be a way to go out? <laughs> Choking on the rosé. Just... I blamed it on the rosé. <laughs> People are going to think that we've already been drinking a lot, but we literally... literally like, this is my first died. sip. I think I just we're just tired. It. It's the end of the week. And it we're is tired. the end of a work week. I just worked out. Mm-hmm. I just went running. Yeah. Which we are happy to report since the last episode that Erica has been running with me. Yeah. Once. Yes. Sorry, I didn't go today. I was busy. Oh, I was okay. removing my gel nail polish. I didn't have time for that. <laughs> I didn't text you. I was at yeah. the gym. Yeah, great. Cool. But how you, you, so we followed up on one New Year's resolution mm-hmm. from the last show. Mm-hmm. Just, we're keeping tabs now. Yeah. I just made it a thing. I don't know what other resolutions I made in the last Yeah, we'd show. have to listen to the podcast, yeah, the podcast again. podcast again. But those were drunken resolutions, and they only count for like half the year. Right. Yeah. Are we better when it's warmer? <laughs> When I have to wear a bathing suit. But we did go running, and a very cute thing happened, because normally my partner takes my dog running, but she went running with us, Rosetta, who, God, you'd think I named her because I love Rosé so much. Rosetta, who is in the corner sleeping right now, went running with us, and she did the thing that she normally does with my partner to Erica, which she started barking viciously at her and jumping at her while she was running, not because she wanted to attack you, but because she wanted to play with you. And it was really I knew cute. that. I know, but for the un, uh, for the you know for the, the bi- who bypasser were like, who were like, why is that blonde lady letting <laughs> what? her dog yeah bark at that black lady? Yeah, yes, that's yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Rosetta, maybe we stop this yeah. now. <laughs> I was like, no, we're all together. It's fine. <laughs> And when we were running, we ran along, I feel like, like a a staple of our fair city, New York City. We were running along, kind of along the Hudson River. We were like on the upper... We were on Riverside. Yeah, we were on Riverside, but we we weren't like down on the side by the water off the highway. We were up on the cliff, but we could see it and we could see like the New Jersey skyline and the George Washington Bridge, even though it was cold, it was... Very beautiful. It's one of the yep. fun things about living in New York City. People are always like, oh, it's a big, crazy city, but you can actually see some pretty oh, beautiful views here. Biking and running along the Hudson all the way down, like, a, you know, I bike pretty frequently down to the tip of Manhattan where mm-hmm. I work, and it's beautiful. If you yeah. go at sunset, oh my God, it's incredibly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I love most about this city, which is what we're talking about. We want to, yeah, we want to beautiful, talk about fair city. our beautiful city. We want to talk about the love, the temperamental love of our lives, New York City. New York, Georgia, Tammy City. I don't know. I was trying to give her a middle name, but yeah, she doesn't no, I don't one. think her name would be Georgia. I think her name would be like... I always think of Georgia like, as a middle name. I don't know why. Yannette. Like, like, it would be like some very like sassy. Well, it's probably like, going to be a French know. name, right? Because the Statue of Liberty was a, a gift. Or Irish, maybe. Well, our neighborhood, we live in Harlem, was like a, not Swedish, it was a, it was a village, like, before it became Harlem. I'm trying to think of, like, who else was populated up here. I can't remember right now at this very moment, but the British were mostly downtown in the beginning, and then, like, there were actually villages going up the city, and then as New York City grew, then everything else like there used to be houses up here like once you got up in this and people lived in houses and then by the population boom like the 20s and the 30s and well do you actually do you know the teaching artist martin urbach no he's a brilliant teaching artist in the Mm -hmm. city Mm -hmm. and uh, i think he works for like marquees and some other places i attended a workshop of his once where Mm -hmm. he was talking about Teaching one, what in, in he was is basically like a decolonization workshop for mm-hmm. like little kids and mm-hmm. was teaching us how to incorporate music into that workshop. Mm-hmm. And he was teaching us, This land is your land, this land, the, the actual song. Mm-hmm. And but he was giving us a little history on it and how this was all like fertile, kind of what well, like part of Manhattan was marshy wetlands and then the rest yeah. was like really fertile. Mm-hmm. And how basically the first 
you know, there's this whole debate about whether or not call them settlers or immigrants. They are the first immigrants, the British, mm-hmm. basically tricked the Native Americans, who I cannot for the life of me remember the, the tribe name here, but basically were like, you know, for Native Americans, nothing belonged to them. They didn't believe in ownership of anything. And so the the, the British or the Americans, whoever, you know, the first settlers who came were like essentially gave them like, you know, a, a handful of chickens for the whole land of all of Manhattan. And, and that's essential. I, I don't know. I'm not a historian, but that's what I remember from that workshop. And I was oh just like, God. holy shit, that's incredible. <sighs> so many comments I could make. But so I, there's, the or- <laughs> there's that little origin story for New York to set us off, right? Yeah. yeah. Starting off on good temperamental temperamental ground well um, we're, we're both transplants here mm-hmm. so how long have you been in new york um nine and a half years i've been here seven this is yeah. my seventh year what brought you to new york city grad school okay i i have lived all over i mean i'm from arkansas as we've discussed on previous mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. but i fled arkansas when i was 17 and have lived in North Carolina, I lived in Belgium for a while, lived in Rwanda for a while, and finally, I had a professor who was like, you need to go to grad school, and I'd always really loved Sarah Lawrence, where I ended up going, and then I stayed, because why would I move? New York is like the place that I had always dreamed of living, of like the... Not necessarily, I mean, New York itself, like, I always wanted to live here at some point, but I'm saying, like, for an ideal city, like, not in terms of city life or or whatever, but in terms of people and acceptance and feeling welcome, Mm -hmm. no matter, like, all the weirdness of me feels welcome here. Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like New Yorkers, like, to the outside world has a reputation of not being a welcome yeah. environment. Yeah. I mean, we're just not like up in each other's faces and paying a ton of attention no. to each other, but you can pretty much show up and be and do however Yeah, and if someone starts want. acting like a dick to you for whatever your lifestyle choice is on the street, there's going to be a gang of like other New Yorkers who jump in and are like, what are you what saying? Are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? There's <laughs> nothing that New Yorkers love to do more than to gather in a group together to complain Yes. Like, that's like... If you start being, you know, homophobic or sexist or racist, there's going to be a gang full of New Yorkers who just jump up and are like, what the fuck? Oh, I know your niece is listening to this, so I should probably watch one. okay. There's just a... Yeah, I'm pretty sure she hears bad words from... She's in middle school. Shout out to Erica's niece... Leela. Leela and, and your auntie. Margie. Margie. Yeah. You sound like really cool, dope people. I apologize ahead of time for my cursing. It's but fine. I feel like cursing is a sign of honesty, so at least I you're... yelled Jesus Christ during a family photo at Christmas <laughs> this year. So I think everybody's pretty much they're they're used to it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Erica. It's like, what? <laughs> so yeah. Right. Let me let me try this for Angelina. Okay. Whatever. Katie Brandon. actually started out. Katie, she did, she hadn't started drinking before the podcast, but she already had a glass poured. I poured myself a glass because you were running a little late, and so mm-hmm. I was just like, so oh, I ate now, dinner, and yeah. I needed a, a aperitif. Yeah, so now she's pouring herself some of um, Brangelina's tears. So um, why did you move here? Uh, so I moved here because I was kind of trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do next with my life. I got a vocal performance degree. I had been working at a music school in D.C. And I kind of wanted to work in the music industry. And I just couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do. But I knew that if I moved here, all the options were available to me here, and I would figure it out. And all your dreams would come true. And whatever was supposed to come true. I mean, I'm not married to Nick Carter, so I don't know if I would say all my dreams came Damn true. Damn New York. Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, in case anybody's like, who's Nick Carter? And if you say, isn't he gay now? No, that is Lance from NSYNC. People ask me that question. Oh, I think I've asked you that. Like, yeah, and I'm like, no. <laughs> He's married with a child. I mean, I guess that doesn't mean he's not gay, but still. Um, so, yeah. And, and plus, I had always, when I wanted to go to college here, and my dad was kind of like, 
my dad was not a big fan of me coming up until he thought I was old enough and mature enough to take care of myself. Mm. Or maybe he would just be fine with me never really leaving that far from home. That's also that's also a thing. Every like once in a while, like, so when are you going to move back home? Like, no, I'm not going to move back home anywhere. No. No, stop it. But yeah, so some transitions and then like realizing the arts education was in fact what I wanted to do. I didn't I didn't necessarily realize that when I left my job at the music school. And nine and a half years later, here I am. And it will be it'll be like ten years later this year. So Where's your favorite place in New York? Favorite place? I'm the most basic bitch place in the world, Central Park. <laughs> There's just so much different stuff that you can do there, and there's so many fun little hiding spots. We actually discussed him on a previous podcast. Ben Ben Weber does a podcast called Cozy Zone, where he like take people to where they felt like their cozy zone was. And sometimes there were people's homes, there was a restaurant, it might be like a bar, and mine was Central Park. Because especially when I was still a server, I used to take naps in the park all the time. Like I would, like I didn't have to be at work. Ooh. This is good. I told you it was good. Yeah. I like it. But I like wouldn't have to be at work till six or something, so I would go and like take a nap in the park. Something showed up on my memory feed one time, like a pic it was like a picture I had taken when I woke up and like I could see the grass. It was like lounging around on a Tuesday or something like that. I was like, Wow, that's a lifestyle I lived once. <laughs> Not anymore, but that's a lifestyle that I once had in New York City. Going out on Tuesday. I mean Harlem's like, just Harlem in general is my favorite place. Like, mm-hmm. I love this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I love, like, we're on our block association. We do all kinds of things in Harlem. It's just a really good place. But I think, like, if I'm being New York nostalgic, which is what we are right now, mm-hmm. I mean, the West Village is kind of my my uh-huh. zone. I love, like, Marie's Crisis down there. Shout out to all my friends at Marie's Crisis. Aww, I have friends who work there. Give me a shitty hole-in-the-wall piano bar that serve shitty Chardonnay. Okay, so talking about, we've basically identified that our podcast is a feminist one. Yeah. So Marie's Crisis, like, I had one night a couple months ago I was there, and there was some really drunk, creepy dudes that just would not leave me and my friend Beth alone. Just kept touching us and kept hitting on us and, like, with the other girls. And the bartenders and the piano guys, like, jumped out when they, like, they kept, like, talking to us, and when they finally started touching us, like, the bartender jumped out, and they, like, threw them out. And I was like, yes! That's the kind of place that, like, I, this is why I love New York and why I've always, like, this was why I feel accepted is because, like, that just doesn't happen everywhere. Right. And then after that, the bartender was like, oh, honey, it's it's all on us, and just, like, poured Chardonnay down my throat. I don't like Chardonnay, but that's all they serve there. So, yeah, not everybody is on the rosé train. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about New York City, though, is it's kind of like it can be a rough city to live in. I know a lot of people who moved here around the same time that I did. Because when I first started working here, the first job I got was, like, as a singing server on that dinner cruise line. And there were other people who were new to New York City, too. A lot of them were gone within like two years really and i know a lot of people who are like i've done like three to five years i'm good and so well that first year in new york is really tough I'll yeah say. Mm-hmm. the first year makes or breaks it for a lot of people yeah i spent a lot of i questioned my decision a lot i moved Same. here with no job in a very uncharacteristic erica i can move i didn't have like a full-time job i had gone on interviews and applied before for like a few months before I moved here. But New York City is a really tough city to do that when there's so many qualified people already in the yeah. city. And so I was like, well, I just, I gotta go. I'm never gonna go. I'm like 23 years old and like all my friends are like starting to like pair up and get married and like... 23. Wow, we are from the South. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and there was still, there were people who got married later. But a lot of people at least like... Some people were getting married. Some people were starting to date the people who they were going to marry. And I was just like, there's so many things that could end up tying me to this area. And besides the fact that my whole family's here, I was like, I just got to go. And so if I came during the recession in the fall of 2009, left a full-time job. I came up during Hurricane Sandy. 
Mm. Right before. Mm. That was my real first experience when like half the city my power went out. And I was up in Yonkers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I think like it can be really tough, but if you stick it out, like the growth that you will have as a human being is just like exponential and you're just gonna learn so much about yourself in the world and I'm just like continuously still learning things and not to say I wouldn't elsewhere but there's just something particularly special about this city and the way that it functions and the people that are here that allows you to grow a certain way and I I mean I even when I remember when I first moved here I was like well I mean I'll be here until you know like I have kids or something I can't I can't like raise kids in New York City mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, if I have kids and I can afford to stay in the city, I'm staying in the city. Yeah. Those kids are going to be cultured as I don't know what. They'll yeah. be weird, but they'll be cultured. I didn't think I'd stay after, in, you know, after grad school. I thought I was going to do my two years and then go. Mostly I thought that during my first year here because my first year was awful. Like, I moved up here. I had zero friends. I had, well, I had one friend who lived in Staten Island and I was in Yonkers. Oh, no, so, like, that's like no. a long-distance relationship. No, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We saw each other, like more frequently then because I didn't have you know a lot of friends and but I still I still see him pretty frequently but he still lives on Staten Island but also I didn't have any girlfriends and so it was really really hard it was really only until I got like my classes weren't that great first year I didn't get along with a lot of teachers it was really until my second year when I met my thesis advisor and then made a couple of girlfriends that I was like okay I could stay here for a little while longer Mm -hmm. and then upon graduation I was like I'm not leaving yet I was like a couple more years, and mm-hmm. now I'm just like, do we want to leave? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just have trouble imagining where else I would go. I mean, maybe California, but with like this specific what? goal of making myself chill out. Not because I'm like California. That will better. never happen to you. Look, I have dreams and goals for myself. So <laughs> maybe I feel like every time I'm in California, the entire culture of the state by like day seven. I'm like, like I was just in California a few weeks ago. I'm like in yoga class and I'm not very good at completely clearing my mind, but I was just like in yoga class, a blank slate, just like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like I was like, it's like, I could do this for like two years and then I'd be like, I gotta go back. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I gotta go back. But other than that, I can't think of what, I mean, I could go home. Well, I feel like we could like, we could gush about New York for a long time, but you know it's got its uh, as the same where same everywhere else. It's got its ups and downs. It's smelly. Um, it's oh god, oh, god. It's smelly. it smells awful. Manhattan knew, smells awful. I knew I had been in New York for too long when I smelled what was clearly like urination and but like human urine. Actually, what I wondered to myself. Is this a human or a dog? And then I thought to myself, I don't care. And that's when I knew I'd been here for too long. The worst is just summertime. When it's oh, like and everybody trashes and... out. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And Manhattan's like a hot box, so. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the same things that, that happen everywhere else happen, happen here. You know, this morning, okay. So here's my story I was going to tell you before we, before we started recording. This morning I was at Staples for 45 minutes. Trying to get our business cards fixed because they they totally gypped us the first time around. Staples. I'm yeah, watching. I'm you. Shout out to Staples, and by shout out, I mean what's the opposite of a shout out? Shout down. Shout down. I don't know. This I don't know. Nothing. They did eventually refund me, and they're redoing our business cards for Dead Rabbits, but mm, it took a while. Anyway, so I'm standing there waiting, and the girl who was there was super helpful, and she was helping. Like she's the first. I but this I have been to three other staples trying to get this done and been online talking to their people. So the the girl who was helping me today was wonderful. And she and I had a couple good laughs. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden I hear behind me, hey, hey, you... Oh, so by the way, I'm in the staples down at Fulton Street. So we're in the middle of like downtown Wall Street area, mm-hmm. business types. And so I hear behind me this guy just go, hey, 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 suddenly to this girl who I realize is standing next to me. He's like, you live around here? You from New York? You live around here? And she just like, I glance over at her and she and I give each other that look, Mm -hmm. you know? 
you know mm. the look. That's I just know like, that look. Will you like this? Can we tackle him together Mofo here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. we? What's the situation? I got your back. Whatever happens, he's not going to hurt you. We're right. in the middle of a Staples downtown. So she's like, no, I don't live around here. Because who lives around other, you know, downtown? Just rich people. Like stupid rich people. Yeah. So clearly, like, we're not those people. And yeah. she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, oh, oh, what are you doing here? What would you come here for? And she goes, for the Staples. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you go, girl. You go. <laughs> And then and then she started to walk away and he followed her and luckily a manager like kind of jumped in to intervene but that kind of stuff happens you know quite frequently here as, as much as it does elsewhere you will have people who stand I think a little bit more up for you in that situation like I was prepared to turn around and say something to him and like be next to her and pretend she has been my best friend since we were little but you know, luckily, a manager intervened. Sometimes I think it's worth here, though, just because of the amount of people and people from so many different cultures as well. Sometimes I think it's it's worth here. I've been grubbed on the subway. I've never been during rush on the hour. Subway. You know, when they're all packed. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been grubbed on the subway. I know a lot of people have. I've never been. I've been lucky about that. I definitely have like gotten a lot of like the hey. Hey, girl. Well, I never understand what people are trying to achieve when they're like, hey, beautiful. Or when they walk fucking next to you. you yeah. And then they're That's like, happened. oh, oh, you're not. That happened to me on the um, street corner up by my apartment over there. That there, happened to me bodega. over here on my apartment. Yeah. Like some guy followed me all the way down the street and I didn't want to walk into my apartment because I didn't want him to see where, where I lived. lived. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened to me. I had a building once that I lived in where they hadn't fixed the door. Like anybody could walk in. And there was this guy who was, like, catcalling me and, like, walking behind me. And I actually ended up walking around the block again. But because if I went in, a lot of people on the block, I think, knew that that door didn't work anyway. And, like, he was just walking behind me. And one day when I went to the building manager's office to complain about many things in person, whether you wanted to see me or not, one of the things I listed was that door. And I was like, do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like to be a woman in New York City and have people like catcalling you and like making you feel uncomfortable? Now, I want you to imagine this. You're walking down the street almost and you're getting to your own home. And mm-hmm. then somebody's doing that to you and you're afraid to walk into your own building because you know the door won't lock behind you. Mm-hmm. And let's say he's coming into the building to see anybody anyway. I don't want to assume that about him. But the thing is, I live on the top floor. Like, once he, like I get up there, if he follows me up there, what can I do anyway? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on the top floor. Like, that is not safe for me. And guy's like, oh, wow, I never, never thought about that. And I'm like, yeah, I fixed my door. So, yeah, that's like, I think another interesting thing that, because a lot of the men here don't have that happen to them. They're often not aware of it in the same way because people don't usually do it to you if you're with a guy. Yeah, I got chased down 157th over here in broad daylight. I feel like everything that's happened to me actually has happened in broad daylight here. Like Never when I'm coming back home from like a party at 2 a.m. or something, but mm-hmm. I was going to the gym mm-hmm. and I was in my running shoes and this guy started he was clearly drunk and started hollering at me and I like started going faster and then he started coming faster and then I just ended up sprinting to the gym mm-hmm. and ran into the gym and he he like drunkenly followed me all the way to the gym until I like ran across Broadway and ran across traffic and then he stopped that's terrifying did you ever see there's a video with the woman who wore a body, body cam, cam in mm-hmm. New York City for a day. And just, like, all the time do people look and say things to her. And then there's one guy who, like, walked next to her mm-hmm. for several blocks and was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not going to talk to me? Oh, you're not going to talk to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Like, that's, that is a real thing. And, like, when you... Or when you're walking home at night and you pull out your key and you wrap it in your knuckle mm-hmm. just in case mm-hmm. somebody says something or does something to you, you have to punch them. And I know that it could happen anywhere, but there's, there's just so many people here and, you know, just yeah. like it probably happened more here just because of the amount of people I think that there are. So, and I have, yeah, I have friends who 
have been like violently assaulted by strangers on the street. Mm. Like like you said, like a lot of people got engulfed on the subway. Actually, my first few months in New York City, I was on the subway. And there was a woman who was jumping off the subway. And there was some construction worker doing some work or whatever. And one of the guys turned and looked at her. And he goes, how you doing? And my mouth just dropped because I didn't think that was a thing that people actually did. I just thought it was something <laughs> funny that Joey from Friends did. Second Friends reference of the night. But I was like... That's a real thing. And I'm sitting there with my mouth hanging open. And at the door is shutting. He sees me, like, looking at him, like, like a deer in headlights. And then he kind of, like, leans in the crack. And then nods his head at me really quick. And then the door shut. And I was like, <laughs> I was just, I, I was wondering about the increase in or decrease of assaults and harassments mm. in, in New York City in mm-hmm. particular, since we're talking about New York City. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that popped up, I just Googled that, the first thing that popped up is from the Observer, and it says NYC sees increase in the number of reported rapes is Me Too Why. And this is was June of this year. Mm-hmm. And the picture on the cover is actually from a rally from the National Organization for Women, which I'm, I think I'm still a member of. I wrote blogs and took pictures for them for a while. But I just, I honestly, I kind of stopped because I felt like they weren't as organized. I felt like that they weren't really cultivating like a community of women. I felt like they were just kind of another group shouting into a void. Mm-hmm. So my question is, then what can we... Oh, but the, the oh. number of rapes reported to the NYPD nearly doubled between May 2017 and May of this year. Probably because, yeah, more people are actually reporting it. That's what I think. Yeah, I think people are actually... raping. Yeah, I think people are actually coming forward. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So my question is kind of around, like, if we know that this is a thing that so many women in our city deal with, then how do we advocate? How do we support? How do we educate our male allies to be able to support us like how do we actually help well this is i think this was my problem with being a part of an organization as big as now the national organization for women i think they're doing great things i think you know we need people advocating on the policy level like they do and turning out big rallies but i think what we're actually lacking is smaller communities of women who just like get together as strangers and, and, you know, start to become accountable for one another. And they're not trying to like, I feel like people join bigger organizations like that for their name or for something to put on their resume or things like that, or just be like, I'm a part of this group. But I think what we actually need is like better access for women to meet other women and just become more supportive communities. Mm -hmm. You know, like we do so much community work in the arts education world, Mm -hmm. but do we really have communities where if we didn't have friends like each other or, you know, friends, like we have a lot of close girlfriends, like there's tons of people in the city who don't have Mm -hmm. friendships like we do. I feel like that they wouldn't report you know things I feel like they don't have if you don't have that strong support system how are you going to come out and feel comfortable to say something I know that even like like I helped someone this year without giving too many details this person was actually sexually assaulted earlier this year Mm -hmm. and I coaxed it out of her I know that she hangs around primarily men she lives with like four roommates and she doesn't have a strong community of women and so like she has felt and and she stated that as reasons why she felt like she can't come forward for some things and mm-hmm. i'm like how could we actually build just like you know we don't have to build a community of women just for the reason to support each other in naming like our sexual assaults but just to be communities of women and to to gather and connect with one another so that if something like that happens, we're there to support each other and mm-hmm. to be a part of that. I think another component is investing and advocating for the education of young men and young women. For one, for young men to be like, hey, that's not cool. Put it back. Pull back. Well, back, young sir. I heard another friend, another one of my friends has a podcast called, I hope I don't mess this up, The Beautiful Trainwreck. Yeah. 
and her and her podcast partner Jay were having a conversation about R. Kelly specifically. And something that Jay mentioned is that the way that a lot of young men bond is to talk about women and mm-hmm. who they're hooking up with and who they're not and like all that. How can we start to one veer young men away from that being like a this is just a typical way. This is the clock of them talk. This is what we do. Well, right? I mean, I think the reason Me Too became a thing is because women finally felt comfortable expressing to each other the the opposite of that, right? They started mm-hmm. saying, like, okay, these are the assaults I've experienced and started opening up to one another. And that's what I'm talking about with communities. Yeah, and I totally I totally agree with that. And to me, some, you know, some of the other things I think about is that, like, it still sometimes feels like it's like my responsibility as a woman to make sure nothing happens to me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we need to onboard men. Like, I will tell a guy in a heartbeat every time I explain to a guy what it's like to walk down the street and have people say things to you and, like, how uncomfortable and how unsafe you feel. They're like, whoa, what? And, like, just, like, how do we better educate men to, young young men especially, to just to better understand like I just treat women with more respect and not to not to say that they aren't but like if we have certainly normalized in our culture like a certain way that men can talk about women and like treat women it's normalized in our in several cultures really well there was a brilliant article like talking about making men feel what we go through there was a brilliant personal essay that came out in the paris review by ro it's either cohen or cowan i i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name but it's called on being a woman in america while while trying to avoid being assaulted and the first part of it she just documents what she goes through in one day to protect herself. And it's what you just described, like putting your keys in your hands while you're walking alone at dark, trying to smile at someone, not trying to smile too much to give him, like, you know, you're trying to smile a little bit, not to piss him off, but trying not to smile too much to give him, like, some incentive for talking to you, like trying to balance that perfect smile. And, like, when I read that, I was like, wow, these are all things we constantly calculate to make sure we're not getting sexually assaulted. Mm And that right there, I was like, wow, she just put in like two, three paragraphs perfectly what we want men to understand about us. And I encourage everyone to go read that essay and share it with your male counterparts or male friends. Again, Paris Review on being a woman in America while trying to avoid being sexually assaulted or being assaulted. It was really, really good. So yeah, one such organization who I know is doing some of that kind of work is the Center for Anti-Violence Education that they develop and create violence prevention programs so that not even just necessarily for women, but for, you know, LGBTQ people, gender non-conforming, like people who are more vulnerable population. My organization, actually, we did a round robin, an intern round robin with them and a few other organizations a few summers ago where we all took our interns around to each other's organization and people would talk a little bit about what they do and then do a little bit of a workshop Mm -hmm. to highlight what they do and we all did a self-defense workshop with them oh cool one takeaway i had is that my father has been teaching me self-defense my entire life i was like oh yeah no no my dad taught me the thing where so if somebody grabs your wrist nobody can see me doing this but katie right now if somebody grabs your wrist you need to turn your hand out to where their fingers are because that's the weakest point of their hold and you have to do it really fast and break out like that yeah like you need to swoop your arm around it's harder for them to hold on if you move your arm around break out and come back in my dad taught me that when i was like four and then what a good dad wow my yeah when you have a marine for a father and my dad taught me that and so then for like in my childhood i knew like every once in a while my dad would just he was just like lightly grab my wrist and i knew to swoop out and break so that my dad was like, okay, great. It was Stranger Grab, wow. so she knows what to do. But they were teaching us that. And I was like, oh, I've been doing that my whole life. And then there was like a few other things they were teaching us. I was like, so basically all the men in my family have been teaching me self-defense my entire life. But then we had a conversation afterward. And all the interns were young women, except for one. There was one young man. 
and we started having all these conversations about what you and I are talking about right now. And one of the things that I ended up saying to some of the young women, because, you know, women are taught to smile and say hi and be nice and not be rude. You can get away with it a little bit more in New York City, but you still even get, why aren't you smiling? Oh, you can't why say hi to me? Oh, so I said to them, I know people aren't going to say this to you often in your life, but I'm going to give you permission to be mean and ignore people and just disregard people sometimes. It's fine. You are uncomfortable. You do not have to say hi. You do not have to smile. Keep walking. Just go. And I know you're not going to hear that much in your life. I haven't. But just go. Which and is like, funny because you're like one of the most friendly people. <laughs> people say that. I don't feel that way, but people do say that about me. I'm like, I think I'm mean, and every literally everyone's like, you are not mean. I was like, oh. But, um, but I, you know, an organization that's doing work like that in a city, I think is another way that we're able to you know, combat that specifically in our city, especially with issues that are sometimes unique to New York City when it comes to dealing with misogyny in this city and we're not even touching on like the passive aggressive misogyny that we get from day to day we're we're just talking about like the outright Mm -hmm. well okay so i know we're talking about new york city and we but we we always circle back to feminist issues because this is a feminist because feminism because the patriarchy is real because the patriarchy is real (laughs) and we live in a white male patriarchy dominant culture yeah Mm -hmm. um we do yeah (laughs) so this weekend is interesting for us to be doing this before because this weekend is actually the women's march in new york well, I think there are women's marches everywhere, but mm. New York's particularly interesting to follow right now because there's some drama happening behind the women's march. Tell me what it is because I haven't been following it. Well, so you, we, we both marched two years ago. Mm-hmm. I marched in um, in DC. In DC, okay. I went home to march. I marched here. I did march here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last year I did as well. This year I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Honestly, mm-hmm. there's been some kind of icky things behind the Women's March. Mm-hmm. There are actually three marches happening in New York because there's like the Women's March Alliance. There's the Women's March Alliance for New York City. And then there's the Disabled Women's March happening. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the exact title they've given it. Mm-hmm. But essentially because from what I gather from all the articles being done to it, and there was one out in the New York Times that was that was pretty big about it. There's three because one group feels like one wasn't inclusive of minorities at the head, and then the first group felt like the second group was anti-Semitic in some ways, and then the third group felt like they weren't including uh, disabled women in any capacity on Mm -hmm. any of the boards. And so now there's three marches happening because of that, because people couldn't sit at the table how reflecting of the progressive movement right I now. I know. Yeah. I, I, this is what I'm having a problem with is that I'm like, you know, I stand behind everything that the Women's March is doing except for this. Like, what is happening that I, I, I just, I, it baffles me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that all these things are, that there is no talk happening, that the heads of these who have such honorable missions can't sit down and say, like, look, we all have this very honorable mission this is how I was misunderstood. This is how I was misunderstood. Because, like, the one, frankly, who got called anti-Semitic, she has sympathies for the Palestinian con... Which I'm... Okay, so Israel and Palestine, I'm not attempting here to even try to dissect. I'm not not bringing it up, but I'm just saying, like, one has... I I feel that it is oh God. See now it's like if you even say that you feel like you that both parties have. I don't say anything when people bring it up. I just like stare at them, just because I'm like. If you say anything, you get attacked by one side or the other, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's happening with this progressive movement in general, is that we can't just sit here and and have a blatant conversation that to see all sides of a certain thing or any, um, there, there are multiple facets to each one of these arguments. And I completely acknowledge that. 
people can't sit at the table and say, this is the Women's March. We are all here for gender equality. Mm -hmm. Which is very intersectional and should be. But how they can't agree to just march together, I think, is indicative of the progressive movement right now and why we can't accomplish anything, frankly, Mm -hmm. right now. Right. Well, I think because most people like who identify as progressives or Democrats tend to do so more so because of social issues that they feel really passionately about, as opposed to it being like stable economy. That's like a that's like a really or like limited government. That's a really strong rallying cry if that's the more important thing to you. Because I know a lot of people who identify themselves as Republican who actually agree with me on most social issues, but it's not the most important thing to them. Well, because I think a lot of, uh, actually a lot of Republicans that I've spoken to believe that the, the number one, you know, chasm between all these groups is not actually a social issue. It's economic. And that if you actually made the economy more equal, if you, if you, brought up the economy there'd be less infighting like this mm, i don't um, know if i believe that i'm just saying what i've what yeah I've, i think for me it's because people feel people who are identifying with a political ideology because of like really like personal like social beliefs that like you just feel so strongly about that you know what i mean like you just feel so strongly about it that you really you really stick by by your guns and you're not quite as willing to compromise, which I, I remember reading articles that, like, perhaps what people on the left should find to rally around should be, like, an economic issue or something like that. But we can't even really agree on that because mm-hmm. that's so tied in the classism and, like, social belief. It's just... Oh. But even, like, if you think about the Republican Party, they somehow managed to convince, like, a bunch of, like, poor people. <laughs> They're, like, that third party... Because they, I don't, I can't even, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how they did that. I think, I think some part of this is surprising for me that this is happening in New York, that there is one, any kind of, I know in New York that there is a huge economic disparity between yep. people. And not only that, but we all live on top of each other. Yes. And that causes huge racial divides, religious divides here. But not in the way that you see in the rest of the country, and that's what's kind of baffling to me with in terms of this women's march and why there's three. And it's just like, I see, I, I've seen a little bit of the social media kind of like tirades against each other going on right now. Just I don't know. It makes me. It honestly makes me not want to march. Do you remember back in like the so 2016? I I remember saying I I will identify myself. As a Hillary Clinton supporter in this moment, and <laughs> and and before, and I didn't vote for her because, like, I guess this is who we have to vote for. I voted for her in two thousand eight. I voted for her in two thousand sixteen in the primaries. Like, I voted for her every time. You didn't. You're saying you didn't vote for her because she was a Democratic candidate. You voted for her because she was Hillary Clinton, and that's who you wanted. All and that's along. who I wanted the whole time. So I remember like going to parties in the city. Back in 2016, and I remember I, I explained it this way to my friend once. In the beginning of 2016, you would be like, maybe find someone else who you knew, also, you know, down with the HRC. And you'd be like, I know, like, everyone's just, like, so angry, and they're just, they're just all being, like, so me. I know, and, like, no, like, I would totally, like, vote for Bernie if he got the nomination, but he's just not, like, oh, wait, 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 no, they're coming over, they're coming over, stop, 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 stop. Hey! Right? <laughs> that was, like, that was, like, early 2016. By the summer, you were, like, but she got the nomination, like, oh, oh, right, well, okay, she, she um, I don't, she got, can we just, can we just stop now? And then by, like, the fall, you were, like, Oh my gosh, you've got to be freaking kidding. You've got to be freaking kidding. Why are we still doing Why are you still doing Can you just, can you just agree to vote for her? Do you see this man? Do you see this man? Can you stop complaining? She had her party here, right? 
It was in New York. Uh-huh. At Javits and, Center. And it, because it has the biggest glass ceiling. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is very sad. Oh, God. Now I feel like I'm going to cry. Well, <laughs> it's a women's it. march. We got to drink our rosé and get through it. <laughs> but I feel like that was, like, the one of the first few signs that I saw, like, to me, how polarizing politics could be. And in the city, in a city that is so overwhelmingly progressive, mm. like, just how polarizing it could be because people just like you know one thing you can say about New Yorkers whatever the heck it is they believe in they feel really they, really strong they believe full like they yes. believe it 150% and so hard so hard and it really got exposed like during that during that time period I actually think that was the beginning of that and not the beginning, but in the time period that we're in now, that was sort of, I feel like, when it was like in both, and it was like, how is this possible? We're such a progressive city, yet we can't just get it together on this one. Well, you know, I think that's indicative of the time we're in now in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about, about communities, like, in in Dead Rabbits, in our press, we're trying to create writers' communities that are not just like online, that we're not all just Twitter friends or whatever, that we're actually in person doing readings, building up, uplifting one another. I think that also resonates here is mm-hmm. that what we're, you know, where the, the discord is here with these w- groups that are marching. And then what, what what we're talking about is that people aren't giving each other the space. I know the Women's March at one time, you know, they did their aftermath of the women, Women's March. They gave out their list of like creating huddles and things like that. I don't know how well that worked. I'd love to hear from some, there was a thing, did you, did you know about any of that? Mm-mm. The Women's March sent out after the January 2017, after the inauguration and everything, they they sent out a list of what you can do beyond the, the march. Mm-hmm. And one of their steps was create a huddle. Mm-hmm. And that was essentially a community of, of women and people who wanted to support the Women's March. We had a huddle because we had already been forming something as a group in Brooklyn. And now it's kind of dissolved because our, our head left the country. But... I think that, honestly, that's where we're leaning, is that there needs to be more encouragement in this digital age where we're all online, we're all tweeting, we're all podcasting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about just, like, listening to us. I mean, even we're trying to create an in-person community. Do you want to talk about it, or do you want me to talk about it? You can talk about it. It was your idea. No, you talk about it. Mostly also because I'm trying to remember right now. So you're going to start talking about it, and then I'm going to jump in. Well, I, what I'm talking about is, well, we both now, I can officially say, I watched The Bachelor. Oh, okay. That's what you're talking about. Yes. I was like, that's not a community. That's a lifestyle. <laughs> but, it, but it is. I think what yeah. we're actually trying to do here is, you know, we're so basically we both watch the bachelor right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're going to be creating parties mm-hmm. soon mm-hmm. at our local Harlem bar who has agreed to host us mm-hmm. that we're going to invite you winos to Mm-hmm. And we want you to join us, mm-hmm. and we're going to have more about that soon. We're going to send out, you know, a blast. If you're hearing this, you're listening to this. We want you. We want you there. Yeah. And we're going to start off with just creating some silly communities around the Bachelor, and invite you all to come watch with us. And let me tell you, if you are listening to this and you're like, I will never listen to the Bachelor. Erica got me to do it, and I do not watch it. In a earnest way. I no one say. does. I know very few people who watch the show in an earnest way. Most people I know. I don't know. I watched a lot of people get proposed to in that first episode. <laughs> I don't know where they find those people. Most people <laughs> I know are watch. They begin watching it ironically, and then somewhere between their first, somewhere between the bachelor and bachelorette, they're like. I'm not sure this is ironic anymore, but I do still think this show is terrible. I think that's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I am that's watching why you watch it, with it on you Twitter. Now. Like, get on Twitter. We Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. We tweet about it all, all the time. We're yeah. at Rose all day. Any whoops. 
<laughs> yeah, we we had to take out a few letters for Twitter. <laughs> you'll find us. Just type in Rosé all day anyways, and you'll find us. <laughs> but, so we do tweet about it. Um, but we're going to do some, you know, we, we also have our recaps of The Bachelor every week. If you don't want to watch The Bachelor, you just want to watch our 30-second recaps. We have some fabulous recaps that we They're do. They're really great. Yeah. They're, they entertain us, at least. Yeah, they entertain us, and... W- I'm going to be honest, I don't really think we care what the rest of you think about it <laughs> anymore because at this point, I think we're just doing it for us. And if <laughs> any of you enjoy it, that's cool. But if um, anyone just wants to hear me like talk yeah. like but this definitely. for like 30 seconds definitely. because definitely. Like, I love Colton too, then the recap, they're for you. Definitely. They're for you. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely. You know, I don't know. I don't even know why we're making fun of these women because we both say definitely and like all the all time. The time. All Every the time I listen time. to this podcast, I cringe. I think we should make a drinking game of how many times we say the we word. We will like. do that one episode, but we need to have a guest on when we have our first guest on. We'll play a drinking game with like, and then we'll just get so sloshed we only get halfway through the episode. And that's where I was like, feminism, yeah. feminism, the patriarchy. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, the other thing that I think that's fun, though, about us doing these parties, you know, we're working on creating community over something that many women that can connect on, because it's really, really hard to create community in New York City, Yeah, because we're all so busy and we're spread out, and you can live in the same building as people for years and not even know they're in there. I didn't even meet a bunch of people in my building until I recently had a fire in my building back in the fall. You did. And then, like, a whole bunch of us just started talking to each other because we're like, what's the damage in your apartment? What's happening? Like, oh, my God, these are such nice people. Oh, you lived here for 15 years? Oh, my God, I've lived here for four years. Like, and we had never really talked to each other before. But um, I think that one of the uh, one of the things also that we're doing with bringing people together is that we're highlighting that, like, women are multifaceted. Mm-hmm. You can care about a lot of tough feminist political issues. You can care about ISIS. You can care oh. about... ISIS, huh? <laughs> well, wow, we're just... You can care... <laughs> Erica cares about ISIS. <laughs> I didn't say care about ISIS. I care no, that, about the fact what you said. <laughs> I hear about the fact that it's an issue that our soldiers overseas and that community. And you come from a military family. I am from a military family. Thank you very much. This one's not going to go over well at the homestead. (laughs) Dad, I don't care about ISIS. That's not what I meant. Uh, (laughs) It was the rosé. We blame it on the rosé. I blame it on the rosé. But I can care about that and I can care about Brexit, and I can care about Trump crappy policies, but I can also watch The Bachelor and love the Backstreet Boys and drink rosé and... And be basic as fuck. And be basic and still do that. I feel like we kind of get pigeonholed that we can't be all those people, that you can't be a leader and be silly. And like, well, That's the point of this podcast, right, is that we drink all rosé all day anyways when yeah. we talk about, you know... Exactly. We scream about the patriarchy into the void. Not the void. People are listening. Into you. Not you. I know at least five people who are listening to the podcast. <laughs> I know a lot more than that. We've actually... So what I was going to mention when you were talking about the New York community is that, yes, we're going to have parties in New York. We want you to come out if you're in the New York area. But I also know we actually have a lot of Southerners listening. Oh. I mean, I know, I mean, I know that I have family and friends in Virginia listening so and there's a big group of ladies in in arkansas for sure i know that are listening to us and they have a very good community and so if you're interested in getting in touch with that little rock community they want to get in touch with you i thought we were talking about new york city now we're talking about little rock Uh, plug in the little rock community that i know is listening mariah this is a shout out to you and the ladies hi (laughs) i don't i don't know you but hi I already told I already told Mariah that you guys would love each other. You guys would have a fabulous time together. The theme of my life. You guys would love each other. <laughs> That's how you 
<laughs> met the person you're dating because I said that. Why do we always have to talk about? I feel like I feel like we have there are two things to our podcast. Yeah, we're just fem- one feminism, feminism and Erica's and two, love life. Who is Erica dating? That is the- because it's a mystery that we're just going to continually build up that ultimately leads nowhere. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like. I'm going to keep plugging it and building it up until you are willing to admit, or until we bring him on. I don't know. You can ask him. Oof. You ask him. I'm not asking him. I will. I'll text him right now. Katie is pulling out her phone. I feel the need to actually go grab my phone so that I can be like, Katie and I are filming the podcast and she's antagonizing me right now. Mysterious man who Erica is dating. <laughs> I'm really going to go get I'm my phone. I'm literally typing that out. Yeah. I'm... Will you be on our podcast? Great. I, I sent now, that as an actual text message. I am now sending my own text message. So... <laughs> This this podcast. You did it in the group text. I did. I said Um, it in the group text. Um, There is a group with this man, (laughs) this mysterious man. Uh, So Katie and I are filming. So no, no, I'm gonna get to say my whole text. Okay, say your whole text. Katie and I are filming right now. We're filming. She's whatever recording. Rose. podcast no one has to do anything they don't want to do (laughs) all right okay so i think in closing is what we're really calling for is more communities in our with our women and we want to be a part of your community yeah especially here in a city in a Mm -hmm. city where it's just it can be really hard to connect with people but if you're not in the city and you're listening to this hit us up we want to we wanna be friends with you. We want to make friends everywhere. I mean, Lord knows, Erica met one of her best friends in an AOL chat room. Mm. We Hi, could, Ashley. Yeah, see? We can we can be best friends and come visit you in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, or wherever you are, Peoria. Oh. oh, okay. We're going to Nebraska. Yeah. All right. I'm having a very New Yorker reaction right now to the idea of going to Nebraska. but Hey, I got family out there. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Represent. I don't think there are black people in Nebraska. If you're black in Nebraska, please reach out so that Erica feels more comfortable. Because we know you're there. Are they, though? Uh, the, this one black person who is listening to us in Nebraska. Mm. Yeah, reach out to us. Reach out to us. I need to hear from you. Because we will make it a point to travel to Nebraska at some point. To film a podcast, if you exist and if you're listening to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, also, by the way, you know we're not getting a response to this text right now. Yeah, I know, that's fine. Okay, good. So, all right. Even though building community is hard, I think we both have done... I mean, I think if you're here as long as we have, I think we both have done a good job of doing that in general, which is, I think, for people who stay in New York City a long time, they've managed to find a way to do that. That or they grew up here, and it doesn't matter, I guess. But, like, they've managed to find a way to do that. And I think of, like, all of the different kinds of, like, group. Like, you know, we have, like, our arts education community. I have, like, friends who I worked with at my first job with who I'm close to. I know you have your block association. You have a very, like... And you don't even live on that block anymore. You're still. Oh, well, I live three blocks away now. I yeah, know. We're very active. But, like, very active and, like, connected community. And I think that's one of the, to me, the beautiful things about New York City, that there's just so many different kinds of people here. And when we connect and talk to each other, it's like, it's like for lack of a better word, magic. Mm-hmm. It's just really really cool and it's the kind of thing when I'm like oh do I want to leave New York and I start thinking about that and I'm like where else am I going to get that I know and 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 be in an environment where I can still constantly meet and connect with new people certainly not a lot 
like in my hometown and I adore my hometown but like cheers I to that yeah cheers to that the best city in the whole world so, just make sure you invest in a good wine a great wine come to Rosé all day anyways our bachelor parties and we'll educate you on the finest cheap wines Harlem has to offer <laughs> uh, uh, maybe we can just get them to give us bottles or something we'll make it a party it'll be great Mostly we'll be yelling at the TV. It'll be great. All right, Winos. This has been Rosé All Day Anyways with Erica Atkins and Katie Rainey. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you had a glass and you enjoyed the conversation and you enjoyed hearing us talk about our beautiful city and, as always, feminism. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.